On this episode of At Large with Alex Wong, I'm joined by Chris Bosch to talk about his time with the Raptors, the NBA playoffs, and why crying is okay in sports. I'm good. How about yourself, man? Thanks for taking the time, by the way. Yeah, no problem at all. Hey, so first question, I want to get into the playoffs and all of that stuff with you, but first question I want to ask you, and I've been asking everyone, uh, where were you when the Kawhi Game 7 shot happened? Uh, I was sitting in, uh, pretty much sitting in my man cave watching the game. Uh, it was Mother's Day, so we had like literally just finished our Mother's Day dinner. And we had all the family over and everything. We were hanging out. And so I got to, pre- I got to watch um, the first game, you know, right, you know, as we were eating. And then, you know, everybody pretty much, you know, broke away to chill on their own. So I went and watched the game. <laughs> <laughs> so take me through what it was like. I mean, I know, you know, you didn't just play in Toronto. You played in Miami as well. But seeing that shot and seeing just the fan reaction, like you've played in that arena, what was that like watching that for you? Well, I mean, first of all, I'm happy for the fans um, of Toronto. Um, it's, it's, it's always a funny thing, you know, trying to support a team in another country, <laughs> especially when you feel like you're getting looked over um, and unrecognized and everything. But they've got some great loyal fans. And... You know, just to see them have some success and some thrilling moments, I mean, that's all you can really ask for in postseason runs, you know, to make them memorable. And and to have something like that, I mean, it's great. I know they want more, and they're working on that. But, you know, for the city and for the fans, I mean, it's it's a great sports town, and and, and that was a great shot. Um, You know, they'll remember that forever. Yeah. You know, I feel like you had a similar kind of experience, but even on a bigger stage with the Ray Allen shot in game six during the finals in that, you know, the shot happens, you guys save your season, have to go to overtime, win the game. And you guys have to play another game like two days later, same as the Raptors where they have to move on now to the next series. How hard is it as a player when that moment happens and and you still have to keep playing? Well, the harder part in that is I always hated game ones, you know, because you spend two weeks analyzing, breaking down one team, you know, and there's no other team in the league but that one opponent. And then game one, it's a new team. (laughs) It's a new situation. You know, with us in the finals, you know, we play against the same team. In this situation, you know, I never like playing game ones anyway, you know, preferably myself, you know, because it's just a different, it's different cadence with the team. It's different scouting scouting report, and it takes some time to kind of get used to that. And it was always kind of like a fill-out game. You know, you almost feel like you're trying to win, but you're sparring at the same time because, you know, you watch boxes in the first couple rounds. They just come out throwing the jabs, moving, moving. It's kind of like that, you know. And um, it, it's very difficult, especially after such an emotional win like that. And, you know, you come off that super high, and then, you know, tomorrow, all right, we're going to Milwaukee. But that's the playoffs. You know, that's what makes it great. Yeah, I'm curious. After that game six, you know, obviously an exhilarating moment and an exhilarating win, but did you guys even allow yourself to celebrate that win at all? No. Yeah. It was, it was you know, celebrated like, you know, it's one of those things like, man, glad, I'm glad to be alive, you know, and then right away, you 
move on to the next game. You know, we, you know, I, we always, you know, you, we, when you're in the playoffs that long, you fall into a nice routine. And after the game, I mean, it was just pretty much just kind of just being shocked a little bit, kind of not believing that really happened. And then, you know, you go from that to saying, yo, we can't lose this. You know, <laughs> we've got to win this game. This series, it must be, it must be because we're about to win. We just got to win the next game. Yeah, so a lot of Toronto fans are going to be listening to this, so I want to take a trip down memory lane um, with you. When you first got drafted by the Raptors, obviously you talked about you know playing for a different country, and at times being in Canada, um, the Raptors get overlooked in the NBA landscape. What did you know about Toronto when, when you heard your name called, and was there someone you talked to, to to get to know what the city would be like before you came here? Nope. <laughs> oh man, internet wasn't like that back then, bro. <laughs> I, um, the most I knew about Toronto was, you know, we we went for the workout and you have dinner and everything like that. But I wasn't very open at the time, to tell you the truth, to doing new things and trying new things, you know. And I was worried, to be honest with you. Um, you know, when I first got there, well, when I first got drafted, I, I, you know, I'm like, man, I don't want to go to another country. I'm 19. You know what I mean? Um, but you know, they picked me at four. And so, you know, I, you go into a situation that you don't know nothing about, but as I got there, you know, I got acclimated and then things became cool. I started making friends and, you know, less than six months later, it was, you know, I just was like, man, I don't know what I was thinking before. This is a great place. Yeah. Now everybody knows. That. Yeah, everybody knows that now. Um, what was your first interaction with uh, Nav Nav Badia, super fan? Because I know he welcomes all the new players. Uh, probably at an event or something like that. I can't remember the first exact interaction, but I just remember that he was, you know, he was always there. It was just this dude in the turban, just always there and real super cool, always saying hello and. And I mean, when I tell you he's at every game, it's, it was crazy. At first, you think it's just like, oh, okay, whatever. But no, he really loves basketball. You know, he loves family. Um, he loves charity. And he just loves the city of Toronto. You know, so he kind of, you know, he was that guy to keep it, you know, kind of keep it going with the fans. But nobody else is really, you know, you could, could you could depend on them. And the fact that he's still there, like, at every game. I talked to him last time I was in Toronto. And I asked him, had he missed a game? And he was like, no, nah, I haven't missed a game in years. <laughs> yeah, he told me he's only missed, I think, two games because of, like, health issues, I believe. Or maybe yeah. not at all. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy, bro. <laughs> you, your tenure here overlapped just a little bit with Vince. Um, did you ever feel the pressure, you know, knowing that the legacy that he had in Toronto to kind of follow that up? No, not at all. I mean, I was I was a kid. I wanted to be the best ever, you know, um, coming into it. I wanted to, you know, when you dream about situations, right, you dream about being a man. And um, I came into the situation, uh, you know, playing um, alongside Vince. And once he, once he left, I mean, I didn't feel any pressure or anything. I wanted to, you know, and if it was pressure, I wanted it. You know, I wanted to be able to be relied on and I wanted to be a superstar in the league and all these different things. Those were my aspirations. So, you know, did it happen? Did I, did I get thrown into the fire a little quicker than I thought? Absolutely. Was, but, um, yeah, go on. You know, it ended up being working out for me pretty well. Yeah, it did. Who was the best vet that you had during those early years in Toronto? 
Derek Martin and Michael Curry. I don't want to pick, but yeah, those two, like those two, those two were the guys to really, really take me under their wing. And, and, and you know, sometimes it can kind of go sideways a little bit because it's another young man leading a young man. And so those messages can kind of be a little different, right? Those two, they had kids, they were, you know, veteran presences in the league, you know, something that's missing from the league in today's game, you know, but they, um, you know, they challenged me, they pushed me, taught me how to work, um, taught me how to be a professional, taught me the right things to do. And, you know, it was, it was checks and balances all the time. I only had um, Mike Curry for a season. I was his rook. But uh, after that, uh, Derek Martin came in and I mean, he was just, he taught me how to be a leader. He was such a leader that, you know, nobody really knew that. But he had the locker room. He taught me how to, you know, be, be uh, uh, you know, listen to the guys, taking guys out to eat, you know, that team building stuff that you need. He taught me a lot about that stuff and just watching him. And, um, you know, he, he created environments for our team to thrive in. It was great. I mean, we still keep in contact to this day. Yeah. the When Brian Colangelo came, as the general manager and rebuilt the roster. You guys won the Atlantic division that first season that he was there. Um, what were your favorite memories about that season and getting into the playoffs? I mean, that was the thing, getting into the playoffs, how much fun it was, you know, it was just a fun season actually winning. I remember it felt like every, you know, just that feeling of winning consistently was great. Um, we were a great home team, you know, getting into the playoffs was amazing, but you know, we ran up into a, a savvy, well-poised veteran team in, uh, in, in in New Jersey. And that was a great experience for us because that was, well, especially for me, because that taught me like, yeah, you know, the playoffs can be here today and literally gone tomorrow. So, you know, you've got to be very good in, in, in your approach and what you're trying to do uh, uh, as a team. And you've got to be ready to go. Yeah. Um, no, that was, it was just a great year. And just the reaction from the fans, because for me, like you were saying, man, you know, trying to, live up to Vince's thing. You know, that was the first uh, Atlantic Division crown in, um, in the team's history, you know. So those were the things that gave me the checkpoints to say, all right, I'm, I'm, I'm headed there. I'm, I'm on my way. I just got to, you know, keep working and keep, you know, doing X, Y, and Z and things will work out. Yeah. One of my favorite part of that era that you were there was the backcourt combination of TJ Ford and Jose Calderon. What was it like playing with those two? Ah, uh, man, TJ and Jose were great, man. Um, those two dudes, for one, I've been on TJ. Man, I had been on TJ for a while. And, um, you know, we he's from Texas as well. And we were actually, you know, trying to play together for quite some time. I mean, I didn't know if it was going to be possible, but you know, we were able to link up and I was always, you know, I always like to take care of my point guards, you know, I always like playing with great point guards. And then when, um, you know, Jose Calderon came in, nobody really gave him a chance. He couldn't shoot, you know, he couldn't speak English, <laughs> you know, there's all these things with this guy. And then, I mean, over the course of maybe one season, he got tremendously better, you know, a great guy, phenomenal teammate, phenomenal point guard, you know, just a good person. And, you know, he made it really, really, really easy um, just to come and play because he, he had the right attitude. He competed. He loved playing. And it was funny. I saw Jose uh, sitting courtside on game seven. <laughs> he was there. Yeah. He was there. Yeah, yeah. I was looking. I was like, man, look at him. We call him Amigo. Man, look at Amigo. 
<laughs> he was on the other side of the he was on the other side of the basket when um Kawhi hit that shot. He was like under the basket but on the other, you know, on yeah. the other side that he shot. It's it's really cool. I mean, you came back I think for a game earlier this season and got a huge ovation from the fans and you know, Vince Carter in in the last couple of years that he's come back has gotten huge ovations as well. And you talk about guys like Jose. It's really cool that guys like yourself, like Vince, like Jose, who's been such a huge part of the Raptors franchise, and you know, maybe at a time the the fans were upset at a few of you guys for for leaving. But you know, it's it's cool to see that you know it, things have been forgiven and you guys have your place in the franchise history. What's that like for you? Like, what was that like for you coming back, getting that ovation? I mean, it was important to me to be honest with you. I mean, it was one of the most important things, you know. Um, you feel uh, you spend, you know, you give your blood, sweat, and tears, all that, you know, cliche stuff, and you really just go for it and try to compete. And, you know, it didn't work out. You know, I tried my best, and, you know, I went on to make a decision that led to a championship. But that didn't make it easy. You know, it was still a very tough and difficult decision. You know, I had my friends there. My life was there. My home was there, you know. And I was pretty much stepping into a, um, although it was a cool situation, it was still brand new nonetheless, you know? So for me, you know, it was important. It was very, very important. I mean, you know, you, I, I gave everything to it. And I hope that, you know, fans just felt it and, and, you know, enjoyed it and, you know, appreciated it. And that's, you know, that was all I ever wanted. Yeah. The booing I get, you know what I mean? It's booing like, hell yeah, boom. If I'm playing for the other team, you, yeah, you, you pay your money. You can do it, you know, within regard. Yeah, yeah, boo my ass. But for the most part, you know, for the most part, after that was all over, I just, you know, you do want recognition for the work that you put in. And, and, and you know, it was crazy because, like, it was such a passion. They have such a passionate fan base. And so many people, I mean, you know, they, I mean, people probably don't even realize what they did for my life. You know what I mean? So I yeah. just want people to understand that and, um, and feel that. But, yeah, that was super important to me you, i never told anybody my wife knew. <laughs> my <laughs> wife knew. nobody else knew. you missed you, you're in the wrong era you missed the era of playing here in toronto with drake sitting courtside talking trash to the other team. oh yeah i know right <laughs> yeah yeah drake was in town it just wasn't courtside we was all trying to work for courtside tickets <laughs> <laughs> i can't i can't move on from the toronto thing without having you talk about the all-star campaign that you put together i believe it was in 2007 or 2008 um tell me about that what do you remember about putting that campaign one of the one of the first guys you were one of the first guys social media wasn't a huge huge thing at the time you were one of the first guys yeah. to kind of go viral with that yeah i was the first guy yeah well, yeah what, what do you remember you know about what, that? Man, so, so it's funny and you know it's amazing and awesome to see kyle Lowry and damar uh, when he was still there getting voted in <clears throat> because it was damn near impossible back then. You know, I was, um, I remember specifically looking at the results. Um, and it was, I think, yeah, LeBron in first with a million, some KG in second with like close to a million. And I'm in a distant third with like 300,000 or 250 or something like that. And I was like, man, damn it. You know, we were working hard trying to, Hey, vote for me, vote for me, all that stuff. And, you know, I said, damn, man, that's, that's kind of like, you know, I don't even stand a chance, you know, as far as the popular vote is concerned. 
And, like, looking at it, I said, man, it's kind of embarrassing. I'm a competitor. I don't want to just be getting smashed, you know, <laughs> getting smashed like that, you know. So um, I thought of a bunch of different ways to kind of get votes. And then all of a sudden I start thinking, well, what if I use the Internet? I can show the power of the Internet. And, you know, I'm like, all right, cool. And then, you know, the idea kept evolving. And then I was going to do something like, a presidential vote for me campaign kind of, you know, poking fun at, at president, but it was Bush at the time, you know, and that was like kind of a sore subject. So <laughs> I left that one alone and I was actually on a break for Christmas. And I said, damn, you know what? Like I always, I remember as a kid, those used car, um, you know, videos and, you know, the dudes on the commercials, the ridiculous shit doing all that stuff. I said, man, all right, I'll try, you know, why don't I try that? And so, I start, you know, kind of writing it. And then um, I took my handy cam and just was like, all right, you know, I told um, told my brother to film and I would just stand there. And then he was like, yo, let me be in it. So then we did it. And then I told one of my friends how to edit it. And he edited it. And, you know, a few days later, we put it up. And then I said, all right, great. You know, that'll be cool. Let's just see what happens. And then the next day, it was on Sports Center. It, it, you know, it was everywhere. You know, and I was like, wow, that's it, it, it. You know, I anticipated it having some effect, but the effect it had was way more than I thought. And so that was, you know, that was just really cool. But I just wanted to do something fun and have fun and actually, you know, bring some attention to the to the voting process. Yeah, you've always been a savvy guy. I think with the online stuff, people don't know like you know how to code and things like that. Tell the people a little bit about that side of you. Um, so I grew up in a house of computers. Um, you know, uh, I always, I was just always around it. And back in the day, you know, I, I always like joke with, you know, some of the younger guys now, cause, um, social media was a little different. It was all desktop, you know what I'm saying? So one of the, um, one of the, uh, websites we were always on was called black planet. Mm-hmm. And that was like the first social website I was on. I think, yeah, this is pre-Facebook. Um, I think Facebook was still tiny and growing at the time. I mean, sorry, MySpace. And, um, you know, it was just like something fun to do. And then I remember seeing people's pages and it was different because, you know, you have the regular template you can make and then you can do the cool stuff. And But you had to learn coding. And so I, I, I took it, you know, on myself to be like, damn, all right, cool. I need to learn how to do this because I just wanted a cool web page. And then I kind of just started falling into that heavily and, and uh, that along with Photoshop and, and, you know, just doing all these things on the side. Then I joined a, um, a computer club when I was in high school and then an engineering club and all that stuff because the teachers, you know, they pretty much bribed me with good grades and extra credit. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I really, really went into all that stuff. And, and, you know, it was always just fun for me. You know, I always got it. I understood it. And, you know, if it was typing classes, I would take typing classes. If it was, you know, a quick coding thing or engineering thing, I would just take it, you know, not to the level of where I'm, you know, full-time nice with it, but I, that I understand at a very basic level. Yeah, and I don't know if this is correct, but I think I read, like, you help other athletes, or was it yourself, kind of secure certain URLs and, and domains. Is that is that correct? Yeah. Yeah, that was... uh. It was a problem. Still is a problem to this day, but, you know, we found out that a lot of people 
their um their uh, uh yeah their um domains under their name were taken. You know, and I was like, damn, because that happened to me. And I we and we were like, well, who else did this happen to? You know, so it just kind of turned into a thing. I, that was one of those things again. I didn't think it would really happen, and then we really, you know, really had some success with it. So that was like cool. Yeah, I think people like our age, maybe a little bit older, do remember the time like that on the internet, where it was kind of like the wild, wild west. I mean, the internet's still the wild, wild west now, but in many different ways. In that, I think a lot of people would just try to scoop up those URLs, like domains of a player was coming through college and was doing well going to the NBA because there was money in it for them, right. right? Right, absolutely. They were holding them hostage and saying, oh, well, you can pay me $10,000 back for it. You know, and it's like, you know, this is my name and stuff like that. And this was before social was really like that. I think Twitter had just, 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 just started. And people really didn't get it you know, at the time. So even if you were excited saying, hey, guys, it's this thing called Twitter. They, you know, it's like, man, shut up. It's not going to – we got URL, We have URLs and websites, you know. <laughs> yeah. Well, that'll actually, never, you know, it'll never change. <laughs> <laughs> I want to ask you a few things about the playoffs that are happening right now. You know, you had that four-year finals run in Miami. The Warriors are going through a similar thing. I believe this will be their fifth finals run. Um the mental yeah. exhaustion that people talk about, you know, towards the quote unquote end of the run. I know you've talked about that fourth year, just being exhausted by the time you got to the finals. I'm wondering if you can describe, do you see that in the Warriors or, or do you think it's a different scenario for them? It's a different scenario, man. And in, in, I've been really trying to break down the Warriors. I don't get it. You know, they have all that talent, right? And they could essentially win an NBA championship by just going, hey, you go, now I go, now you go. But their ball movement, their style of play, I think allows them to, you know, have a little bit more longevity. You know, they move the ball. We were more of a uh, post-up dominant and more of a physical team. You know, so naturally that's going to wear down on you a little bit. They, they spread their run. They're more, you know, more finesse but fast. And I mean, they share the ball. They're fast with the ball, you know. Not only they don't, they just don't have a little quick, fast point guard and step, and he can get from point A to point B. No, he passes it and moves, and that's one of the things that really I think gives this team more of a bounce and more, more, uh, uh, more longevity looking uh, in in the future, you know, because they can. I don't know, man. I just don't get it. And I mean, they're so damn talented, man. I mean, Clay and Steph, they take they take up and you know, step up and take challenges and, you know, Draymond as well. And, and you know, they can just, they can just play basketball. The team concept really, really carries them very, very far. And, you know, so far I don't see it, but when you're that good, I mean, and then you're that tuned in as a team, I mean, on offense and defense there, I mean, they're locked in. We had lapses, you know, by this time, I want to say this time during the playoff run, I yeah, we're in each conference finals. You know, I think um, we were tied 1-1 with Indiana. You know, it was it was a series. Like, hey, man, I don't know. Indiana might get them this year. They're, you know, not that it's not a series that they're in now. It still can be, and I'm, I expect Portland to win both home games. But just the fact that they can do so much with what they have in that system, it's, it's been amazing. Yeah, what's more challenging as as you go through these championship runs is it physical or mental like what's the percentage you would put on it 
it's kind of both, but it's all mental. <clears throat> if you can, you know, if you can stay, you know, with, with, with the team, stay with yourself and challenge yourself, you know, you can push yourself beyond physical limits. The problem is doing that, you know, and buying into the same thing and doing the same exact thing that you have to do or, or in a different way. So you have same principles, right? You need to, hey, we need to move the ball. We need to sacrifice one another. We've got to play defense hard. We've got to sprint back and transition. You don't feel like doing all that stuff. You know what I mean? You play more games than anybody on earth. <laughs> you know, you come back in, 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 in the season and the coach is telling you to do this and do that. And it's just like you can get in a real fog because, you know, you have a vacation, but it's really not a vacation. I remember on my vacations, I started working out. We would, we would win or lose. Um, we would have maybe, you know, a couple weeks and then I would take my family on vacation and I would have my workout stuff and I would start, all right, let me start, you know, hitting the bike or get my ab work in or, you know, get some light workouts in so I can make sure I'm ready when I get back home, you know, so you really never have a break, you know, so it, it all becomes mental and pushing yourself to do those things that you don't feel like doing. Yeah. Like, and so for instance, you see like Steph Curry's ankle, and his finger, that shit is going to hurt next year. <laughs> you know, I remember when we beat um, when we beat San Antonio, I had turned my ankle in um, in the series against uh, Indiana. I want to say in game, in game three for sure. <clears throat> my ankle was still hurting the next season. You know what I mean? I hadn't, you know, tried to stay off of it. And then we get in the training camp. I'm like, man, it's still kind of sore. You know what I mean? You just you never get time to recover and time to heal and time to process what the hell is going on. Yeah. And that brings me to, to my next question. You know, this is really the first time LeBron's had a real summer off in I don't know how many years, like a decade, decade and a half. Um, yeah. What do you expect because he's got this time off? What do you expect to see from him next season? Do you think this will be hugely beneficial to how he comes back next year? Oh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And especially, you know, you get older, you can't – he's played a lot. He's probably played the most games out of any player at that age in the NBA, you know. And um, you got to rest, man. You have to rest. But at the same time, I know probably right about now – not now, but I would definitely say May 30th, he'll start kind of going so crazy. You know, it's good at first, and you get that relief after the season's over, and you can just go away, nobody's on your back. But then it's boring. <laughs> and then you want that excitement and you want to get back out there and play basketball, you know? So it'll be great for him now. May, May and April are always cool. June, July, August for sure are always, you know, August for sure is always the toughest month because you're chomping at the bit to get back in and, you know, you're kind of tired of working out a little bit. But, you know, I, I'm sure he'll find his way. Yeah, just a couple more random questions I'm going to toss at you and then I'll let you go. Um, I know you took a free agency meeting with Houston and Daryl Morey. Um, there's been yeah. some great stories about the presentations that Daryl puts together and all the gadgets and things that he'll pull out. What can you tell me about that meeting? Well, it was two, it was two times. It was once in 2010 and once in 2014. Mm -hmm. And through that, me and Daryl, Daryl and I have got to know each other pretty well. It's pretty, it's pretty uh, funny. But um, the second time in 2014, there were no presentations. Um, you know, I was out of the country, and I did that on purpose because I didn't want to deal with all the madness. 
Um, so I was pretty much, we were, we were pretty much just handling things, you know, just over the phone. It was just phone conversations, um, you know, between him and my agent and everything, you know, all that good stuff. So there was no presentations. And the first time, I mean, he pretty much just printed, printed the max salary out on a piece of paper and said, all right, I'd be like, I want to offer you, you know, the max contract. And I had never seen it on per, you know, on paper before he knew what he was doing. You know, he's a smart guy and he's a numbers guy. So he was pretty much givers out the way. Hey, this is the thing, and this and that, and he was pretty much—he was more of an architect, you know, for the future. Like saying, "Okay, hey, if this happens, what would you like to do, and who would you like to play with, and all these things, and you know, just inquiring." uh, I guess my basketball mind at the time. Yeah, I I like when um I like when the GMs and the teams like like put you into the New Jersey. Like they Photoshop you and put up a banner and stuff like that. I feel like for me personally, that would be yeah, a really they powerful had, draw. They <laughs> yeah, it was iPads that year. Everybody had iPads in 2010. Yeah. And so they put you on an iPad. I still have them somewhere. So they, <laughs> and then they like made an app and a presentation and highlights and all that stuff. So like it was tech savvy iPads. That was that was our creation pitch. I think about all everybody thought they were probably cool with, and everybody did. (laughs) I think about all the money that these teams put into this stuff. They they should probably put some of that budget towards like the salary cap or luxury tax. It's 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 a big endeavor to recruit people. Oh hell yeah, they should. They really should because yeah, that shit costs money. (laughs) Um, Two more things, you know. One thing, um, you know, people made a big deal um, on social media. Um, covering, you know, after the Kawhi shot, you know, Joel Embiid was crying on the court and, you know, he was filmed backstage after, um, you know, I know you had a similar moment after a finals loss and people were giving you such a hard time. Do you feel like in general, the basketball audience or society or people who follow sports has been better now or better understanding of, you know, understanding the emotions of what athletes go through in those moments? A little bit, only to a certain extent, but it's only so much that, you know, you can, you can do. I mean, you know, nobody can really experience life through your lens. Right. And, um, it's so demanding being an athlete. You know, we go through so much, but man, you know, I was feeling for him, man. You know, I felt for him, but then I couldn't because it's like, yo, that's the game. You know what I mean? You lose a dramatic game and yeah, it hurts. That's what people don't understand. It hurts, man. You know, to be criticized and, and, you know, you still have a chance to come out on top and you don't, you know, and, and all you were visualizing was you guys winning, you guys winning. That's all it was, you know, and, and he's young, you know what I mean? And, you know, I relate on that because that, man, it hurts. Like it is gut-wrenching pain and it hurts and you can't believe it and it's unfair and it's not right and all these things. And how could we come this far after all that, you know? And then, you know, people kind of give you a rough time about it. It's crazy. It's, it's gotten a little better because, you know, it's only take, taking people, you know, breaking down on camera and like Kevin Love and DeMar DeRozan really freaking out and, you know, their anxiety that they really have getting to them because this is happening, that's happening. You know what I mean? Um, for whatever reason, people, you know, don't think of athletes as human beings all the way. You know, and, and, you know, that's because we're on TV and we can do these, you know, unbelievable things and, and all that stuff. And, and you know, people kind of lose track of like, hey, man, that's a dude. You know, he's got feelings and, you know, he's got a job to do and he probably wants to win and he probably feels disappointment and stuff like that. But it's just, you know, it's just a part of it. Um, I think that's the allure of the sport. 
And, you know, it's just something that, you know, we'll be have to deal with. But it's just an ongoing conversation. I think Joel Embiid having that moment like that, I like it because it shows that he cares. And it's another obstacle that he's going to have to beat. Because you know how people are going to do. They're going to make memes about it. They're going to make fun of you about it. And you have to wear that with a badge of honor and say, yo, so what? Yeah, I care. I would tell him to remember what that feels like. You know, remember that pain. Remember what people said after the game when you were crying. Remember what happened. Remember who did what, you know, when you were having that emotional moment because it hurt so bad and who who was laughing, who was doing this and come back and get better. You need to remember that every time you hit the gym and work out. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that because he actually made the photo of him crying his Twitter avatar. <laughs> that's such a Joel Embiid thing and it's great I, I, he's owning know, it I, I, he's I owning like it. that kid man yeah. I like that kid man he's you know he's alright man I like that dude but that's and you know what that's a good step one own it move on from it and you will be known for that but when you and when you when you start being successful remember that yeah I just never understand why fans get make fun of athletes for crying like fans themselves get so emotionally invested and they laugh and they cry and they celebrate and they don't even play <laughs> yeah and i mean what is he supposed to do like if i lose uh the a game seven shot which is, hasn't been happening in, in nba history if that happens what am i supposed to do smile i'm supposed <laughs> to get mad i'm supposed to just be like oh well hey that's all right it meant everything to me but hey whatever <laughs> yeah, like what are guys supposed to do? You know. Yeah, it makes no sense. Last thing for you, you know, I know you finally announced your retirement early this year, and you had that incredible jersey retirement ceremony and your speech in Miami. Um, I'm wondering, you know, obviously your health issues that forced you to retire has been well documented. You know, did you find closure, you know, this year? Um, and was that the jersey retirement ceremony and having that night? Did that help with that? Oh, I, you know what? I had actually found closure well before that. Um, I actually, before this season started, I, you know, I, I, a part of me knew I wasn't going to play. Anymore. And, you know, I was kind of on the fence more so on the not playing side. Um, but I, you know, I was still kind of forcing it and, you know, people kept asking me, oh, yeah, I'm going to play, I'm going to play. But it's like, man, it's been, it's been a couple years now and, you know, I haven't even really got back on the horse trying to do X, Y, and Z because my family needs me. You know, so I really didn't, you know, I kind of accepted everything before the Jersey retirement. It was great to be, I think it was um, not closure per se, but more so of a, of a, of a new era for me, a reawakening, if you will. Um, you know, doing something different, moving on with my life. You know, yeah, that chapter is closed and I can, move on and do things. And, 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 and it was more so for the public eye to see that. And, and I don't have to just be in my room or be in my house or be in my head thinking, am I going to play again? Or what, what if somebody asked me or when people ask me, Oh yeah, I'm going to play again. No, and I'm not going to do it. You know, it just kind of, it was, it was a major, major relief for me to, to move on to the next thing. Yeah. My favorite part of that Jersey retirement ceremony aside from your speech and you know you rallying up the crowd one last time is how happy spo was i rarely see spo smile because he's always so intense he was grinning from ear to <laughs> right. ear for like the entire half hour hour however long that went it, it was great to see yeah i mean me and spo man 
uh, you know, a lot of people don't see, and I don't even think a lot of team my teammates don't see, but like, you know, you know, my situation um, with the big three, I was kind of, it was kind of like that. Oh, he is asking stupid questions. Like, is he a superstar? You know, is he this? So I was always caught in between this weird world, even on the court. You know what I mean? I had to, we signed Ray Allen. I have to be the first one to say, all right, you know, I'll sacrifice a couple more shots per game to get, you know, to make sure me and Ray get going. And, you know, I, I know that he put me in very challenging situations. He knows that too. But that's how we had, that's how it had to be done. But we had in that, we, you know, we had a lot of conversations, man. We had, you know, trying to figure things out, talking. Um, you know, I remember distinctly after uh, uh, getting beat by Indiana one game. And, I mean, we kept getting beat by this one play. And I was involved in the play. And so, you know, it was an afternoon game. And, you know, game two is in a couple of days. And uh, I went and got some beers <laughs> and, you know, knocked on Spoh's door and was like, hey, man, we got to figure this shit out, man. Let's let's sit down and, you know, let's watch this film. And, you know, it was moments like that and challenging moments that we had, having those uncomfortable conversations like, hey, get me the damn ball, you know, and him take that challenge and say that or me make a mistake and challenge him on something that I was wrong about. And, uh, you know, I remember one time before Golden State, we had breakfast, you know, just talking because I had a bad day and I kind of spazzed on everybody. <laughs> the whole team? Uh, yeah, yeah. I was having a bad day and I knew we were going to lose. And, you know, we just weren't playing well. And I just kind of lost it on everybody. And, you know, he was more so like, yo, what's up? You know, what's going on? I've never seen you do that before. And, and you know, things were just getting to me. And so we had breakfast the next day and, you know, we talked it, you know, but just all those conversations as men and talking and trying to figure things out, you know, it was way, it was way more than just, just, just the sport. You know, it was, uh, it was relating to another man in a position that wants to win too. Yeah. All right, I'll let you go before but before I let you go. You you told me last time we did an interview that Pat Riley reminded you of Master Yoda cuz he would say things and you would figure it out later on. Do you off the top of your head remember anything that Pat said to you that didn't make sense at the time that you came to realize made sense later? Uh, I would really have to think about it. Yeah. Cuz he puts things is not with an emphasis. You know, it's very conversational. And you know, then he'll be like, "Hey, man, you just gotta, you know," and then he'll leave. You're like, "What? <laughs> <laughs> what did he just say?" And then years later, you'll be like, "Damn, you gotta do this and that." You know, um, I really have to think about it. Nothing comes off the top of my head. Yeah, that's awesome, Chris. I really appreciate you taking the time. Best of luck. Look forward to seeing what you do next, and look forward to seeing you in Toronto sometime soon. All right, I appreciate it, man.